sorry, of Ephesians. Ephesians, that goes will be the next book, Lord Lord. Ephesians 3, 14 through 21. So hear the word of the Lord. Ephesians 3, 14 through 21 reads, For this cause I bow my knee, knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world, without end. Amen. Yes. Father in heaven, we come to you on bowed knees as we, Lord, search the scriptures. For in them we think we have eternal life. For they are they that testify of the living Savior, even our Savior Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. The glorious body of Christ first part of this was last week, in which we discussed how Jesus reveals to his people his secret plan for the ages, which is called the mystery. When the fullness of time has come, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under the law, that he might redeem them that are under the law. And now we come to part two of the glorious body of Christ. Christ is revealing to his people through the prayer of his servant Paul the fullness of God in his love toward us. So the last time, the fullness of time in the revelation of the mystery of the gospel and now the fullness of God in the revelation of the God of propelled Jesus Christ into the world to be the Savior of the world. It's the glorious body of Christ, if you recall last time, because Jesus is the head of his church, which is his body. We are members of the body of Christ, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Christ is who makes his body glorious by being its head and also by the work of his spirit for us and in us, by his word that makes his church glorious as he is adorning his bride, as he is cleansing his bride from spot and wrinkle and any other such thing, and adorning her with the beauty of the Lord Jesus. Let the beauty of Jesus be seen in thee, all his wonderful power and majesty. O thou spirit divine, all my nature refined, till the beauty of Jesus be seen in me and in us. Amen. 
So we are now to consider part two, which is to see the fulfillment of the prayer of Paul in leading us to a fuller walk with God, beginning with a fuller knowledge and love of God. He says in verse 14, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice, for this cause, referring back to what he said previously. When he said, for example, in chapter 2 of Ephesians, how we have a new identity in Christ. We have been made spiritually alive who were once dead in trespasses and sins. And we have been raised up together and made to sit together with him. We are his workmanship created in him unto good works. We are no more strangers and foreigners. Gentiles are considered before we're coming into the kingdom of God, strangers and foreigners to the covenant community of God's people back then in the old covenant. But we are no more that, you see, but fellow citizens with the saints in the household of faith. That household, the church, built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, a holy temple of the Lord, a holy habitation of God through the Spirit. The Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are with us even as we worship Him in spirit and in truth. And for this cause, He says, I bow my knees unto the Father of Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe not, or maybe physically, That's not what's significant. That we bow in our hearts is most significant. But for sure, spiritually and inwardly, because it is an attitude of submission. It is a spirit of deep reverence and love. Ezra said, in Ezra 9, 5, and 6, And at the evening sacrifice I arose from my heaviness, and have rent my garment and my mantle. That was an expression of what? Repentance and, and mourning for sin. I fell upon my knees. In this case, he didn't kneel. And spread out my hands unto the Lord our God. And said, oh my God, I'm ashamed and blush to lift up my face to thee. It's like that publican that went into the temple and he couldn't look up. Unlike the Pharisee who was looking up. And he beat upon his breast and said, God, have mercy upon me, the sinner. This was Ezra. And he says that he was ashamed to lift up his, his face to his God. He says, For our iniquities are increased over our head, and our trespasses go up into the heavens. Speaking in behalf. God's people, like what I do and I pray for all of us in the pastoral congregation of prayer, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Imagine that. We're one big happy family, at least for the most part, uh, in heaven and in earth. He's not talking about anything less or else than every believer that has ever lived 
creation from the beginning when he first, when men began to first call upon the name of the Lord in the book of Genesis to this present day and those who have died and gone on to heaven and also those like ourselves who are presently living and alive on earth that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man he says he says that he would grant you meaning you believers you Christians and not just in Ephesus not just the Ephesians but you and me his prayers are for the spiritual and eternal well-being of his people that is the people of God according to the riches of his glory meaning that there is a limitless We think that we are having cause or reason to be anxious. <laughs> I, I, I know that you are a, a sufficiently well-taught enough congregation to know that ain't the truth. We have no cause to be anxious. Be anxious for nothing, the Bible says, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let our requests be made known unto God. Of God that past all understanding shall keep our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. There you go. That eradicates that excuse, right? Because we have a limit, limitless supply. As Paul says, for my God shall supply all your need. Notice need, singular, because it's encompassing every need of every kind. Our need for physical health and physical strength, our need for material supply, our need for education for our children, our need for the Lord's provision for the table, to strengthen the breadwinner, to maintain and sustain and uphold the home, to the spiritual, which all focuses upon what Paul calls church by Christ Jesus throughout all things of this world around him. Because the church is in the purview and front and center of heaven. And thus we are front and center in God's oversight and care. Our Lord Jesus says, I come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Strengthened with might by the spirit in the inner man the power of the holy spirit is such a power that we do not know how powerful the holy spirit is imagine it was the holy spirit that literally was the agency for the creation of the universe and the world and as that glory cloud hovering over the israelites prior to that hovered over the oceans of the world which was one ocean one point, right? There's no oceans until the land came up and then, of course, the oceans came into existence, but it was the creation of the Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ that brought that all about. And when he makes one a new creation in Christ, that in many respects excels even the creation of the universe. Think about 
power of the Holy Spirit is not for the special forces of the kingdom, as I would call them, or for the elite class of Christendom who are out there advancing into the darkness of the missionary world, like the inner circle of our Lord, James and John and Simon Peter. But it is for all who are willing to be serious students of the word of God, for Paul says, study to show thyself approved unto God. Work in that need not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. It's for those who are willing to come boldly unto the throne of grace daily, that they might obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. It is for those who will live godly in Christ Jesus. Yea, and all who will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. But never mind, because if God be for us, who can be against us? Those who die to self daily, who, though their outward man is perishing, and let me tell you about that. <laughs> who is it? Yet their inward man is renewed day by day. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his mind. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may withstand in the evil day, having been called to stand. The Holy Spirit strengthens us. The Holy Spirit empowers us. The Holy Spirit equips us. The Holy Spirit quickens us, especially when we're in our, our doldrums, you know. When we're caught up in the tyranny of the urgent, like uh, what, I'm, what I, I experience a lot of these days, you know. It's so easy to just, oh, I'll just kind of uh, glancingly uh, enter the throne of grace. And then off I go, God understands. Oh, no, he doesn't. He, he is a jealous God. He wants your time. He wants your heart. Especially if you're willing Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, knowing that it is God who worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. See how you need to go to the Lord? You can't do it on your own. Don't think it's in your own strength, in your own wisdom. Oh, 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 in the glory of his presence. You need to be like the disciples who tasted and saw that the Lord was good. Firsthand, whose eyes saw, who looked upon the word of life, whose hands handled him, embraced him, and were embraced by him. So our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love. Verse 17. From the moment you are saved, Jesus Christ truly lives in you and in me by faith. Oh, that the Lord would feel at home in our lives, in yours and in mine, as it is cleansed from sin, as it is filled with his spirit, as we are rooted and grounded in love, even in his love. Loving the Lord. Yes, loving the Lord as 
He said in John 14, 23, if any man love me, he will keep my words. And my father will love him. And we will come unto him. Not that he's not already with us, but we will come unto him. It's like a coming and a coming and a coming. Every day. Make our abode with him. Is that your desire? That is what we are to do. Love God. And love others. Beloved, let us love one another, said the apostle of love. Who is that? John. For love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and know God. There's no way that you can know God if you don't love God and love your neighbor as yourself. And love the brethren who are bought with a price for his blood-bought children like you. And all this is comprehended in this last statement. It's like Paul cannot speak enough of this. It's love. In verses 18 and 19. That we may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge that we might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now this is an enormous chunk of truth to wrap our souls around, wrap our minds and hearts and souls around. How vast is the love of Christ? Think about Calvary and how vast is love that, that the very holy Son of God would, uh, would accomplish our salvation by rendering himself helpless to the forces of evil, beginning with Satan, who tempted him and tried him. And finally, by means of the wicked hands of wicked men, put him to death. And yet God in his all wise and glorious plan used that to bring about our eternal salvation. So that now Christ has obtained eternal redemption for us. It is a surety. It is a fact it is evidence, evidenced by his death and resurrection from the dead. And is conquering all the forces of evil. And is closing the gates of hell. It is placating the wrath of God. And is receiving us as his children and making us his family, his loved ones, as loved as his own son Jesus Christ. That's what this is about. Immeasurable. There's no words to ad adequately describe it. And so we say it is the unspeakable gift. As a hymn, no, not sing, of course, but as a hymn of ours in our hymnal renders, oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus, vast, unmeasured, boundless, free, Rolling as a mighty ocean in its fullness over me. Underneath me, all around me, is the current of thy love. Leading onward, leading homeward to thy glorious rest above. That ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. What's that about? The fullness of God? We're talking about something that is 
greater than us, and even in heaven, greater than what we will ever be in glory, because there will always be that creator-creature distinction in glory, though we will be sinless. That love that I'm speaking about, that Paul spoke about, that compelled Christ to live and die and rise again for us, has now been given to us, that we would live and die and rise unto newness of life know that we might live unto him. As Paul says elsewhere, for the love of Christ constrains us, because we thus judge that if one died for us, then we were all dead. And that he died for all, meaning all of God's people, besides those in Corinth, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. I tell you, that passage continues to haunt me. It continues to come back to me. It continues to humble me and to show me how far short I have fallen, how, how far short I am. We're not fallen in the sense of fallen from grace, never, never. We've been raised up in Christ. But in the sense of feeling one's inadequacy in the presence of God. It is a fullness we have never really known before, nor could ever know on our own. But now, we do. We have a taste of that. And we know that there is more to come. Some have called that the already and the not yet. It's like our salvation. It's already, but it's not yet complete. Until God sovereignly and marvelously brings us home. It's the fullness of God the Father. As I already read, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God, God the Father. It's the fullness of God the Son, as it says in Ephesians 4.13, which we will be covering in the will of the Lord later down the road, till we all come in the unity of the faith of, I'm sorry, the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, the fullness of God, the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 5.18 And be not drunk with wine when there's excess, but be filled with who? Spirit. But we must come. But we must pray. But we must be filled with the fullness of God. And yes, it is knowledge, and I know we Reformed people and Puritans focus heavily upon it, but it's more than that. It's an experiencing of God. It's subjective as much as it is objective in that it is the work of God from within. As the Apostle Paul would say in Galatians 2.20, and I'll have us all turn to it. I know I've been going through this quite, quite quickly. Forgive me for that. Sometimes it has to be. But in Galatians 2.20, we read Paul's testimony. I am crucified with Christ. Notice the present tense. He's living. He's living in Christ. He says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me 
and gave himself for me. The work of Christ is already, but it is not yet in the sense that it's progressive as we walk with the Lord in the light of his word. As we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds on our way as we do his good will and abide with him still and with all who will trust and obey. Trust and obey. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Verse 21 of our passage in Ephesians 2. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us what a mouthful. And I often think about this when I pray and I realize, you know, I miss some things, you know. This noggin here has overlooked some very important matters for prayer, and that's why when we pray as a group and like the ladies when they pray, they, oh my, all the bases are covered. I, I'm, I'm listening and I'm praying, and I'm, but I'm listening also and I'm thinking, oh, I haven't prayed for that matter a long time. Oh, I, I haven't prayed for that person at all. And I'm going over these items that the ladies are uh, dutifully, I mean, attentively and lovingly covering from Monday to Saturday, I think it is. Sunday? I have to hand it to you. I have to hand it to the Lord because he's the one that, that, that worked in you to do that. And, oh, my, yes. I begin that it's able to do exceeding abundantly above all, all that we ask or think things that escape us, things that we don't think about. He has all of these discovered, more than all of us put together. For it is by his sovereign grace, and by his sovereign grace he pours out the blessing and answer to all those who quest, to bless us beyond our greatest expectations. And why? Because of his free grace? Yes. Also, because we are willing to live our lives for him. You see, he looks in us and he sees our heart. He sees those who are willing. He sees those who will be like the two, who are two spies, that is, who are willing to take the land versus those ten who are unwilling to take the land. He knows ahead of time, yes, but until we do it, until we are a Caleb and a Joshua and go out there and do it and do it for the glory of God and do it in the name of Jesus Christ and do it upon a principle of faith and do it according to scripture we haven't yet could that be where some of you are could that be where our church is well one thing for sure we're all a work in progress so God is patiently working in us. Thanks be to God for that. But keep in mind that you do what you do for the face of Almighty God. Coram Deo. For the face of Almighty God. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus through all ages, world without end. Amen. Is how he does. Only when you and I strive for greater and greater faithfulness. Another word for that is sanctification. 
Sanctification is God separating us from a common to holiness. Separating us to himself. Sanctifying us also by working in us a greater rectitude and a greater obedience and a greater holiness and peace without which no man shall see the Lord. And that Christ be more glorified with the honor that belongs to him that comes from us is his church. Soli Deo Gloria. You ever heard that? Some of the brothers will put that in other epistles, letters. And you can tell who those who are of the Reformed faith, those who are desiring to have reformation in this generation, those who are desiring revival in the church. And not just because they write that, but what is even contained in their epistle, which is with that appendix attached to it again. In closing, I have us here from the Heidelberg Catechism, number 86, which asks, since then we are redeemed from our misery by grace through Christ without any merit of ours. Why should we do good works? Why do good works? Because Christ, having redeemed us by his blood, also renews us by his Holy Spirit after his own image, the image of Christ, we're being conformed to the image of Christ, that with our whole life, our whole life, we show ourselves thankful to God for his blessing and that he be glorified through us, then also that we ourselves may be assured by our faith, by the fruits thereof, and by our godly love, win others also to Christ. That really summarizes it, doesn't it? In many ways. And all this in Jesus will be made. Let us pray. Father, we bow our knees to you, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of the whole family that is named in heaven and earth, even our Father. We ask that you would grant, according to the riches of your glory, strengthen us with might by your Spirit in our inner man. O Lord, that we may be able to comprehend with all of your people, and especially with those, with those who are in glory to see you face to face with the eye of flesh and no longer with the eye of faith. That we may comprehend the breadth and length and depth and height of your love and how, Lord, this love of Christ, this love that has been incarnated in our Savior, that is beyond explanation and understanding might fill us with all the fullness of God and also that you would hear us as you are the one who is able Lord to answer us exceeding abundantly above all we ask or even think to ask by that power that works in us now even the power of your Holy Spirit Lord all this we pray to your glory of your church Lord Jesus which is the holy 
Chocolate.